seated. God is love, isn't he? Correct? Amen? All right, just want to make sure you're here. But God is good also, amen? All right, all the time, God is good, no doubt about it. Thank you so much again for being with us today. So good to see so many of you that are um, out today and worshiping with us. It is always a blessing. Thank you so much. Um, Jennifer Arnold, a lady that was featured in a PBS documentary titled, entitled um, Through the Eyes of a Dog, she gives this information. It's an organization which involves the training of service dogs, matching them with severely handicapped individuals and matching them up. And they do a camp, and it's a long article, and it's, but it's a beautiful article about how it connects these service dogs with these individuals that have these particular handicaps in their life and disabilities. And uh, during, this, uh, during this time, she said, it provides something else than only just the needs that they have but it also often bonds them and it gives them both actually hope. It's a wonderful thing. It gives them this hope. Arnold talks about this young child that was at this um, camp session and they were, he was severely handicapped and disabled uh, who told his mother actually that he didn't want to live anymore. And yet while they were there sometime during the camp, uh, that, uh, again, familiarized the dogs and matched them up with these um, particular people. Arnold noticed the child that said that his mother was off by herself and she was crying and weeping and she thought, oh no, we have failed. And sometimes that does happen. But just the opposite was true, you see. The mother had asked the child, after visiting with her, the mother had asked the child if he still wanted to leave and go to heaven. And the child answered quickly, oh, no, no, I can't leave my dog. While we know that we're going to go to heaven as Christians, and that we know that there's going to be glory in heaven, there's going to be great joy in heaven that Scripture talks about, our hearts must still go out to the world, the world that has no hope no joy or a false hope, false joy in their life. And so each year we pump billions of dollars of little pills into people to try to give them hope for a tomorrow. Some is necessary and much is not. And yet we do that. But as Christians we are to offer this hope. Not only a hope but a living hope to a world that has no hope. And I guess the question becomes, how are we doing with that? How are you doing with your offering to the world, joy to the world? What had this child found brought this child so much hope? Was it a sense of this purpose and responsibility and purpose in life? Perhaps it was. Because we all need that in our lives. We need a, a purpose to get up, a purpose to keep moving, a purpose to have something to look forward to in our lives. We all do. Perhaps it was that, or perhaps it was just the unconditional love of dogs and how they can bring us such joy. I guess we'll never know unless we ask the child. 
But either way, it was hope that made a life worth living for the child. Life is worth living if you have hope. Life is worth living if you have hope. The things of the world teach us differently. The commercials that strive to teach us things about this is what you need and everything will be just fine. Buy this car and you can feel like this. Buy these clothes and you can look like this. Even through the cologne. Buy this cologne and you can look like Brad Pitt. I tried that once. He still doesn't look as good as me, but we'll, you know. But that's what we do in our world. We try to sell a hope for tomorrow, a hope for something better, the glass slipper that comes along. But yet the Scripture teaches us in 1 Peter chapter 1, by praising God the Father in this process, in His great mercy, He gives us this new birth of this thing called living hope. And he tells us not only do we have this living hope, but it comes through, and it comes through only Jesus Christ, the resurrected one. It comes from the one that gave his life for you and for me. And it's a beautiful thing. And in that living hope, we have this inheritance. It's an inheritance in heaven that will not spoil, will not fade, it will never perish, it will never go away. And that inheritance is kept for us, kept for all of us that have claimed Him as Lord and Savior. It's kept for us in heaven. And we believe that. And it all comes about through one thing, your faith in God. The world needs faith in God. And we are the ones to distribute our faith, showing our faith in God to give a lost world that has no hope, or at best, a false hope, but to show them that there is a living hope through Jesus the Christ. Give me an amen. So how does one become receptive to this hope? How does one gather that? And perhaps you're here listening some point, and you're listening to this, and you're saying, how do I, as a non-Christian, how do I get that in my life? It's quite simple. It's quite simple. You have your faith in this one God that He gave His Son, that you you claim Him as your Lord and your Savior. You confess your sins. You repent of those things. And you surrender and you experience the new birth. And then you can have living hope from that point on in your life. It's an amazing thing that God has offered you today. How would you turn down living hope? Put your trust in something else that gives you only false hope. But for Christians, at oftentimes, our hope feels as though it's not living anymore. It's a, it's a little on the downside. It's kind of been watered down lately. And I'm, I'm sure in an audience this size, there's people that are saying, you know, man, I'm just not, yeah, it's just not clicking for me these days. And perhaps you've been there for a while. And maybe you've just given it another shot. And maybe today someone's not here that said, my shots are all over. What can happen? What can happen for me? How can, how, how can this, how can I be receptive to this hope? This living hope again? Can I be revived in my spirit? Oh, the answer is yes, of course. But what do I do? How does that come about in my life? Those are good questions. Often I hear those from people. 
Often I hear them from people that are not members of our church. They might be a member of another church. They may not want to tell their pastor, but they may be willing to open up. And I'm sure some have from here have gone to other churches and have asked their preachers, their pastors, their ministers. Well, first of all, I would simply say this. You've got to be willing to ask. My mom taught me when I was a little boy, and she was teaching me Scripture, but I didn't know it at the time, because if she had told me it was Scripture, I may have just said, okay, that's whatever. But she always taught me to be willing to ask. She would say, son, if you don't ask, you can't receive. And little did I know that it was Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, that she was teaching me. For God wants us to ask, and we will receive. He's either true to that statement, or he's not. But he is because he is a living God. Give me an amen. And so in this process, you got to learn to ask. When I was a kid growing up, if you got a box of these during any time, this size, it was a pretty big deal. For you, 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 you kids today, I mean, you're like, well, whatever. I got the broken ones left over from my brother that was four years older than me. Anybody there besides me? Yeah. I think it's gray. I'm not sure it's got blue and red and pink on it or something, right? But if you were really fortunate, and now these days you've got a 12-pack 12, 12 of crayons. <laughs> got to make sure that's straight on tape. Um, but in this, now they make these ones that are like 120 Crayola crayons. You see this box like this? Got cranberry, blueberry, grape, raspberry, they got everything under this. That's just one color. It's all mixed in there. And they even come out now that they smell like it. It's amazing. It smells just like grapes. Uh, grape, I, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm glad these things aren't harmful to you because I would be eating those things. What'd you have for lunch? Oh, three crayons. They're pretty good. I had an orange today. Man, that was good. So when, when I was small and these things came across, so why would I bring this into a service? Well, if you're close-minded to where and how God will lead you, you'll never move beyond where you are spiritually. And the living hope is then only hope, but not living hope. You see, many people think of, they have hope, well, I sure hope so. God doesn't want you to just say, I sure hope so. Too many Christians say that. So the world around us says, what? You hope so. Oh yeah, come join us. We sure hope we're going to heaven. No. Come and offer you the living hope that's within inside of us. So asking God is important. My point here is some people settle for an eight count when they could have much more if they just asked. He by no means is puzzled by your asking. God's not shocked by you asking Him anything. Anything. In fact, He encourages us to ask. Again, Matthew 7, 7. Thanks, Mom. I was thinking of her today, and I could barely contain myself. I just have to be honest with you. Today, my emotions are right on the edge. My... I've got to go on, because if I don't, I'm going to be a Phil Kennedy or a Jim Gibson. (laughs) 
One of the things in life you have to be as well is be willing to be interrupted. You have to be willing to be interrupted to connect with God oftentimes in your life. So many of us look to interruptions and look at interruptions as becoming and becoming frustrated by them. Ever get frustrated by interruptions in your life? Sure you have. But if you would actually concentrate on the interruption as though it may be God trying to get your attention about something, it may awaken you to something that God wants for you. Think of all the times that you were in interruption. You got so frustrated, you just threw something or said something or did something or just went home because I can't do anything today, right? In the midst of that, perhaps, perhaps God was speaking to you and trying to get your attention about something that you perhaps might receive as a blessing or something that you need to correct in your life. He does that. You need to learn that God may interrupt you in life, and it's okay. In just a few short weeks, I think it's two weeks, actually, it'll be 40 years, 40 years ago. It's amazing how you can remember that far back when you're my age. 40 years ago, in about two weeks, it was late at night, and my wife interrupted me by simply saying, I think it's time we go to the hospital. You see, she was pregnant with our first child, Brandon. Now, I did not say, it's getting late, dear. Can you hold off until in the morning? That was a good interruption. And God blessed us with a wonderful, beautiful child, wonderful son. And we're extremely proud of him. And we love him dearly. And if he's listening to this someday, I hope he hears it, that I love you, son. You see, God is truly does work in all things. If God does work in all things, then He works in all things, even in the midst of interruptions. So He can work in those things, and so we need to come about in our lives and accept those things. Let me give you an interruption in Scripture where it happened to a, a person. We're going to talk about this guy right here, Luke chapter 19. Is Zacchaeus. He's a wee little man. You didn't know he's from Ireland, did you? But anyway, he's a wee little man, and I like this story a lot. And I like this story a lot because it tells me there's somebody in the Bible like me. Rich. <laughs> it tells us that he wasn't only a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. So if tax collector had a lot of wealth, a chief tax collector, hello, a lot. He heard about this Jesus coming, and they can kind of keep up as they go and ad-lib this a little bit, or a lot. And, and as they go in through here, he hears about this Jesus coming to town, and he wants to see who this Jesus is. So he goes to the parade of people, if you will, but he's a wee little man like me, and so he's a genius like me, and he climbs a tree. And Jesus comes along, and never met him before, and he looks up at Zacchaeus, and he says, Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down, I'm going to your house for lunch. Interruption. Hmm. And as they go to his house for lunch, you know what takes place. All the other people in the parade are saying, Ha ha, who is this man? They would go and eat with sinners, this tax collector guy. But notice what Zacchaeus does in his interruption of life. 
Notice what he says there in verse number, I don't know, it's about verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I have four Cadillacs in my driveway. I'm giving two of them away. I have $100,000 in my bank account and half of it. I'm giving it away right now, right this minute. And I'll tell you what else I'm going to do. I'm going to make it right with everybody that I've ever done wrong. And I'm going to give back to them not one, not two, not three, but four times of whatever I may have taken wrongly by them. Here's a man that was interrupted in life. He got up that morning and thought it was going to be the same old, same old in life. But he was interrupted by Jesus saying, come on down, we're going to lunch. And at the end of the day, perhaps he gave two-thirds or more of every single thing he had away. But in the midst of that interruption, and in the midst of that giving it away, look what God returns and gives him in return. And he says, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. That's good news. He may have laid in bed that night and thought, man, I don't have as much as I had this morning, but I actually have more than I ever imagined. I think Zacchaeus is going to meet me in heaven someday and say, Welcome home, shorty. (laughs) This is what it was all about. That's a beautiful story. I think that if we will be look at our and take a look at our interruptions that way in life, maybe it'll change us a little bit and we'll see what God can do through them as well. Be willing to hear from God in all circumstances. Because I promise you, in most, in many times, many times in my life, it's been through those disruptions, those interruptions in life. When I was focused on something else, and I wanted to get that done, God was trying to get my attention over here. And I will tell you, I missed too many of those in my life. But the ones that I did pay attention and went over there, I found a gold mine that God had waiting for me. Maybe you feel today that God is interrupting you today. I don't know who you are inside. You do, and God does. But maybe you're feeling just a little bit uh, interrupted today. I mean, you came to church, and you thought to yourself, it's going to be the same old, same old. I'm just going to go to appease my wife. I'm just going to go just do this to check in, take a little grape juice, take a little cracker, and I'm well on my way. Thank you very much. Let's get out of here. Because that's what some people do, the same old, same old. I call it the two L's. Listen and leave. Listen and leave, 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 listen and leave. A lot of Christians do that. They just listen and leave, listen and leave. They make no adjustments. Because by listening to the Word of God, there should always be an adjustment to our spirits. I don't care if it's coming from a scripture that's read during communion or a song that is sung with the right spirit. It moves and it should move us because we are worshiping the Almighty God. But he, God, is stirring within you right now. And you know it. He's stirring something within you. That's the interruption. You see, that's how God calls. You can only come to God through that calling. There has to be a stirring deep within somewhere. It's that moment in which you didn't plan on it, but something was stirring with you, and it was, it was pulling you. It was pulling at you. That's the interruption. Don't reject it. Because in the midst of that interruption, you could be just like Zacchaeus and you might hear today, salvation has come to this house. It can come to your house today. 
just think you came here today just to, be, just to make somebody happy, perhaps, to get on the good list so you might get something for Christmas. You didn't come to get saved. But today that spirit's just moving within you. And today when you leave, you can get more than any Christmas present would ever be. You can get salvation from God. So you got to ask. And you got to be willing to be interrupted. But you also have to be, and this is important, and this may rub somebody the wrong way, but I really don't care. By having an attitude of expectancy. Really? Aren't you arrogant when you're expecting God to do something in your life? No. I'm expecting God to use me. After all, I'm his child. After all, he called me, for, called me into his kingdom for a purpose. If he's called me into his kingdom for a purpose, then I should be expecting what it is that God has for my life while being in his family. Too many people get left out, not because God won't use them. It's not that God won't use you. Listen closely. Somebody needs to hear that. It's not that God won't use you. You think God won't use you. You think God can't use you. You're just too far gone. You have no talent. You have nothing to offer. When you surrender to God, God can put in you something brand new. I promise you that. I often talk about this. It's a lie of the enemy. When I counsel people, they often come to me and they tell me in their life they, they just don't expect much. It's really going to be the same old, same old. When I do that, I, I, what I call it is the cul-de-sac way of life. It's a cul-de-sac way of life. So I simply say, get in your car, go to a cul-de-sac, get in your car, back out into that cul-de-sac, turn your wheel to the right, hard right, and push the gas pedal and never touch the steering wheel again. And what you will do is you will go round and around and around you go, round and around and around you go, round and around and around you go, but you haven't gone anywhere. And at the end of the day, when you run out of gas, you'll have gone absolutely nowhere. And that's where a lot of people live their lives, in a cul-de-sac way of life. God wants to move you from that. God wants to take you places. God wants to move you way beyond those things. That is a lie of the enemy to stay exactly where you're at in life. And some of you, a year ago, you have just looked at that same view and that cul-de-sac. Wow, it's pretty house. Oh, that looks like the house I saw yesterday. Well, it's the same house. Well, there's another. Well, he's putting new shingles on. Boy, oh boy. And God says, I want you to move forward with me on this journey of life. You have to get that way of thinking out of your life or you'll always be in that cul-de-sac. Expecting God to use you for his glory is not a sin. In fact, it should be a normal reaction for all believers. Are you expecting God to use you in some great way? Listen, you only got a few more days this year. What way is God going to use you before the end of the year? Another, what, 25 days or whatever it is. What, what do you expect that God's going to use you in some way before the end of the year? And you say, well, I don't know, man. I got to hurry up. I got to figure that out. Let me give you 
we used to do, uh, Bob Milan uh, helped me set up a program years ago. It's called the Head to Toe Program. And we would get teenagers to go with us, and we would pick children from these areas that really need help. And I would go to the school systems and some, and I'd get them to nominate a child. And we would take them to a store. We would pick them up, and they would be with that teenager, and we would go there to uh, be with them and those type things, take them out to lunch, McDonald's or whatever, and then we'd take them to the store. And they all had a certain amount of money that they could spend on themselves from head to toe. They'd get two pairs of pants, two shirts, some underwear, socks. You wouldn't believe the people, the kids that we took, that when they took their shoes off, because we wanted to try on shoes, get them some new tennis shoes. You wouldn't believe the kids that took off those shoes, that their socks is something you wouldn't even use to wipe the wheel on your car. And then at the end, at the end, we would give them $20, I think it was $20, and they could buy a gift for themselves, whatever they wanted. You know what was amazing to me? Over and over again, not all of them, of course, over and over again, many of those kids would say, well, I really want this, and it's $19 or whatever, but I really want to get my mom something for Christmas. So how can God use you before the end of the year? Perhaps you just look for someone. Do you know someone? It's real easy to just reach in your pocket and pull out a $20 bill and hand it to somebody. And that's good too. But maybe you find someone. You look, look, let your child help you with that. And find that one person, that one child that you know. And maybe that's the one that God places on your heart. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just giving you an example. And maybe you say, you know what, we're going to do that. Or somebody's standing in line at the grocery store, and, and they may have a basket for they may have three items, and you just step up and say, nah, I'm going to take care of this. No, that's okay. God's been too good to me. Just a little thing that you can be a blessing in someone's life for the end of the year. Now, that's something that all of us can do. If you don't have a lot, go to the Dollar Tree. And person's got five items, you got five dollars. If you got more money, go to Dillard's. Or as Larry used to say, Dillyards. Look at my shirt, Dillyards. It's a French place, whatever. Anyway, let's go on. I don't even know where I'm at on this page, but I'm going to get somewhere. Oh, think about this. The course of history would have been totally different the thing that we're about to celebrate in just a few short weeks now could have been totally different if the angel came to Mary, the virgin, and said, you're going to have the Christ child, and she said, no thanks. I'm not going to do it. Don't pick me, pick somebody else. I don't want to embarrass my family. My, i got a husband-to-be, and what's he going to think? She could have came up with all kinds of excuses, all kinds Think about her for just a minute. We just see her, oh, I get my baby, and everything's good, everything's great, oh, look at her. But you think anything went through her mind. Let me tell you what did go through her mind. She said in Luke chapter 1, I am the Lord's servant. 
Here I am. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the scripture tells us that her name will be praised for all of life. Praise God for Mary. Be ready when God calls. Be willing to say, I am the Lord's servant. And that living hope within you can stir. Stir again. Real quick, let me break it down like this. Someone described hope like this. I've wrote it down before, shared it with you before, but I'm going to share it with you again. It's called hope, humility, obedience, purity, and eternal life. I like the way they break it down. I added a few things in here, humility. If you want to be used by God greatly, you must remove all of self. The problem with our lives most generally is this. We don't allow God into certain compartments of our life. I'll let him have everything else, but not that bottle. I'll let him have everything else, but not those pictures online. I'll let him have everything else, but not that nasty language I have. So we're only willing to go to the depth that we're willing to go to. And let me tell you, forgiveness only comes to the depth in which you are willing to give it to God. Unless you're willing to remove all of self, you cannot change. Humility is the key to emptying self out. When you offer God an empty vessel, He will fill that vessel with what He chooses to. And it may surprise you what He has done. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Humble yourself, and God will lift you up, Scripture says. Letter O, obedience. Thomas Campus said it like this. He said, Instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. You ever have a child tell you, "But but I finally did it. I finally did it. So I really obeyed. No, you disobeyed. Because delayed obedience is disobedience. He goes on to say in his writings, which I like, he says, whoever strives to withdraw from obedience actually is withdrawing from God's wonderful grace. Isn't that beautiful? It is if you obey. Have you been obedient to the Lord? Or are you holding back, hoping for something greater, better? I had a young man sat in my office not too many years ago. He sat in my office and he told me that he professed to be a Christian, I know, but he said, I think I've changed my mind. Norm, he just decided to change his mind. I said, oh, really? Tell me all about it. He said, well, I'm experiencing all these other religions. And he started to name off a few. And he said, I'm just testing the waters to see what one fits me really good. I said, oh, well, wonderful. How you doing with that? Have you found one that gives you eternal life when you die? Uh, no. Have you found one that has been raised from the dead? No. So, well, what are you doing? See, it's false hope. It's something that might make you feel good, but there's no substance to it. It's not real. You can own the keys to a Cadillac, but it doesn't mean you own a Cadillac. There's a difference. And before he left, I was just praying that he would at least open his spirit back up to God. We prayed about it. I don't know where he is today. I pray he's got a stronger relationship than I do with God. 
Obedience is better than sacrifice, 1 Samuel 15 says. Pureness, letter P. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. I love that about David. That's why he was called a man after God's own heart. He sought pureness, not perfection. Oh, no. If you're looking for perfection in the story of David, you've looked in the wrong character. Isn't that right? Then why was he a man after God's own heart? Because he knew who was pure. He knew where he could go and get pure. It was only to God. The Scripture teaches us that we are filthy rags compared to Christ. Filthy rags. What part of filthy rags is not filthy? It's all filthy. But Titus 1.15 says, To the pure all things are pure, but to those who are corrupt and do not believe, nothing is pure. You don't believe, nothing's pure. You say, I don't believe it. Nothing's pure. It really won't matter. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The only way you can be pure is to look upon Jesus, the only one that is pure, and eat for eternal life. Eternal life is what all of us want. You know what's something we have in common in this room? Every single person, and every single person you'll see today and every other day, We all have something in common. We're all living, but we're all going to die. Every single person, every single one, eternal life. Eternal life is what we want. If I asked you, do you want eternal life? We all say, amen. Amen? Amen. All right. But did you know that there's someone that wants eternal life for you more than you want eternal life? Think about that. I mean, I want eternal life pretty bad. Amen? But there's someone that wants eternal life more than you want eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son for me. And if I believe in Him, I will not perish, but I will have everlasting life. Give me an amen. Amen. God wants you to have eternal life more than you will ever want eternal life. And He proved it by sending His Son Listen, that pure little baby that was born in a manger over 2,000 years ago grew up and took on your sin so that you could take on His glory. Now listen. Listen to this. Can you now understand why we sing? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. see it here's the question at the end of this message have you prepared room in your heart for the Savior he is the one that wants to give you a living hope he wants to restore that living hope within your spirit today we're going to sing this song in just a moment it's a beautiful song and I I love the way Kyle teaches this to the the group that leads us as well But one of the things in this, what what I would really have you do is listen, listen, listen to the words of this song. But do an evaluation in your own spirit. Do you really, do you really want to be a Christian?
Whatever your response is, you come together as we stand and sing.